0: Hey, there are No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Today, we have a great treat for you. I'm actually really excited to introduce you to both of our guests today, partly because they're very funny, they're very smart, they have unique backgrounds that have led them to the work that they're doing. And if I told you that they were... They sold software product, and then I told you their backstory, you wouldn't really make a connection. So let me tell you, they describe themselves as the most unlikely entrepreneurs you will ever meet um, and sporting hairstyles that look like comic book characters with backgrounds in psychology, hypnosis, and show business. I will tell you, looking at the two of you, I don't think you look like comic book characters, but you do look like characters. You look like... Fun. <laughs> yeah. you look That's like the biggest fun. moment we've had all day. Well, it's, oh, it's late in your day. We've got a, we've got a time difference between us. So, but let's just dive in. Can you share a bit of your own backstory and what led you to where you are doing the work you're doing today together?
1: Well, 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 once upon a time. are um, oh, you sitting comfortably. <laughs> uh, let me unpack the story. So uh, we've been friends for about 16 years, I mm-hmm. think, and we met through the world of entertainment. So uh, my background was as a magician when I was growing up as a kid. I always wanted to be a magician. That was what I was going to do for a living. Took it really seriously. And then when I was about 14, I saw a hypnotist, a stage comedy hypnotist, and decided that would be cool. Now, lots of entertainers do branch out from magic into other sort of allied arts, other things, Uh, Like ventriloquism, juggling, and all sorts of other stuff. And I decided hypnosis was for me. So uh, my dad uh, paid the hypnotist to teach me how to do it. I studied it for a couple of years and decided like this was it. After school, I was going to be an entertainer. That was going to be my business. I wasn't a typical entrepreneur. I wasn't the guy who was selling sweets to the other kids at school or any of that stuff. I just did magic tricks and eventually learned hypnosis and then went out. and At the end of my like A levels, which is the exams you do in the UK right before you would go to university, so I was like. 17, well, I've been about 18. It's in like college level, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about 18, probably. Uh, and most people would then go to uni or into the workforce. And my dad said to me, why don't you take a gap year, give this entertainment thing a try, see if it turns into a successful route, and then see what happens. So I went out and I started performing all over the place. I actually moved to Greece um, for about nine months of every year. So across the summer and a little bit of the winter, I was there doing, uh, doing my show for British tourists who went on holiday. And while I was there, I sort of found that I had lots of spare time. So when, you know, you might perform at the time I was doing between six and 11 shows a week, but the shows are only like an hour or two long. So there's still a lot of time just sat around doing nothing when everyone else is working eight, nine hour days. You were just eating chicken. I was you? just eating chicken. Yeah. So most of my friends were like working in bars and like really long jobs. Working
2: is what you're saying. They were working. Your friends were working. <laughs> they had jobs. Exactly. So they might
1: start at like 6pm at night and not get finished till four in the morning when the bars close. And I, I was just on from like 10 or 12 and then I'm done. So there was lots of lots of sitting around and just, I wanted something else to do. And I was doing okay money, but I was spending all of it on like parties and drink and stuff. Uh, And in the end I decided I've, I've got loads of spare time, I should do something else. And I stumbled across the idea of selling information products online a guy who lived near where I lived when I was in the UK. I found him on eBay selling eBooks about stuff. And uh, I realized actually he's making probably way more money than I'm making. Turns out way, way, way more money than I was making without really doing lots of manual labor, just creating stuff and selling it on the internet. And I knew I had products to sell. As a hypnotist, I used to sell stop smoking CDs, weight loss CDs of my own after my show. And I said like, I have a product here that's ready to sell. Uh, and so I, I started building this online business. And so it didn't exactly become a transition for me. I still do my show as well, uh, but it, that was sort of what kicked me off into this sort of online world. Now, we were friends at that time, but because I was over there and you were over here, we didn't talk all that much, I suppose. Uh, and you were kind of had a similar story, I
2: guess. Yeah, I mean, we weren't, we weren't galaxies apart at all. We, I mean, basically. I was. I watched a, a TV show uh, which was called The Paul Daniels Magic Show. And I used to watch that. I, I never wanted to be a magician. But there was once this guy who came on as a guest and he was this big, stern-looking American chap. And he could read people's minds. He could influence every single decision they could make. And I thought... Wow, I didn't really know what people were thinking. I thought, wow, now I'm really interested. So I started speaking to some friends who knew a little bit about this kind of stuff. I stumbled across some books that I could study on this stuff. And I just started doing some gigs. So basically I paid my way to university, which and I wanted to be an actor, a sort of an actor as a kid, a little bit. And then I, I paid my whole way to university by performing. And similar story to Rob. I mean, basically I spend a lot of time in hotel and hotels waiting to go and do a show or traveling. Two hotels. I'm on a plane, or I'm waiting in the departure lounge to get on a plane, or on a train, or something. I basically there's lots of waiting around. My show's like 45 minutes long. What am I going to do with the rest of it? And one of the things I had to do is I had to understand how to market myself, how to grow and get enough gigs so I never had to get a job. Uh, It was basically that was basically it, if we're being frank about it. So I thought, well, how, how am I gonna how am I gonna do this? And and So I started studying marketing. I mean, I started studying how I'm going to get these gigs. And that led me into the world of realizing actually other people who are entertainers also want to understand how do they get gigs. So that led me into creating a membership program and becoming a coach and a consultant for other entertainers, writing material for them, as well as helping them build their businesses. And before I knew it, without me knowing, in fact, I was suddenly an information marketer. Suddenly, I—you were a learned. closeted internet marketer. Wasn't I it? was. I was way back in there with the trench coats. So I ended up being this this entrepreneur that I didn't really know I was. All I was really doing is filling in the time, and some people were paying me for the privilege. And that, so that's where that all happened. And then a few years later, after Rob and I met at a, a thing called a magic convention, that really is a thing. It's where like thousands of weird people who say they're magicians meet together and every, every, every year or multiple times a year around the world. And we just became friends. I don't, mm. I don't really know why or how that happened. frankly, But we, we ended up being friends. And independently, we ended up having a problem that we wanted to solve and that could only be solved by creating our own software solution. Because we thought if if we both have independently identified this problem, which was we wanted to run surveys, but instead of just using them as what we like to call the cul-de-sac of marketing, which is it all ends up going in there, then you can't really do anything with it. It's sort of the dead end. It doesn't sort of communicate out over the end of it. Then, But we wanted to do that. We wanted to use surveys as a marketing tool. We thought we can't be the only people wanting to do this. So we, so we looked around online and we were like, uh, how, do we, how do we do this? Does this thing do it? Does that thing do it? Not, nothing did it. So we decided, I know what we'll do. We'll set up a software business because <laughs> <laughs> we're not busy enough.
0: Well... And I'm imagining you're both like math geniuses and you understand software and coding, all oh, of that,
2: right? I mean, you wouldn't believe it. I, I know the, uh, the difference between a backflip and a back, backslash are... Uh, actually, I don't really know. We have absolutely no idea about technology sure. at all. We know
1: probably slightly more than the average show on the street. You know, somebody who's never set up a website before, of course. We know how to use WordPress and know, know what cPanel is, and we've heard of a domain name and know the basic configuration. But quite honestly, and this is not like... I bet loads and loads and loads of techpreneurs say this, but we can honestly say that beyond that, really, like we don't, we don't know anything. We don't know anything.
0: So where did you get the wherewithal... Or what I would really say is like, where do you get the chutzpah to go? Oh, we can build this software. You know, we can go and create what we need. How do you get from being an entertainer on stage to that? So it came
1: from a real naivety, actually, on my part, which is we were talking about the problem we had. And we can talk about why that came about if you like later. But we were talking about this problem we had, which was we wanted to run a survey and we wanted to then do something intelligently and automatically with the data that we received rather than just having it sit there in a CSV file. So we've got this problem. Okay, what should we do? And I thought, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the problem will be well worth solving if we can solve it. Uh, and at the time, we were doing it all manually. By the way, like exporting CSV files from the survey application we used at the time, sorting it into different buckets, uploading it to a thing. And I know that you have that sort of experience uh, <laughs> playing with that as well. And so that, and, it, and it's a real, dr- it's a real sign of kind of drag. It was worth it from the marketing results, the you know the end result of sales and stuff. But it was a real drag. And so we knew if we could solve it, it would be good. And I naively actually said to you one day, I called you one day and said, "Listen, tell you what, I'll take a couple of." thousand dollars i'll go to like freelancer or upwork or one of the sort of online freelancing websites i'll post up a job looking for like a php developer because i'd heard of php and i knew that was a programming language and i said and we'll find someone who can build this thing i reckon probably two or three weeks of work two thousand three thousand maybe five thousand dollars and we'll have a i'm laughing now i think about the naivety of it (laughs) i've just realized how much i hate you (laughs) and we'll have this great idea And so I went on Freelancer and I quickly ran into a slew of problems. For example, I don't know who's going to pull the wool over my eyes. I don't know who's going to just rip some code from some open source thing over there. I think the
2: problem we both had is we didn't even know what we didn't know. We were in the mode of unconscious incompetence. We didn't even know the questions to ask.
1: So I very, very quickly realized that actually there was absolutely no way I was going to get this done for that sort of price. And yeah. so we sort of took a break for a little while and thought, well, how do we do this? Uh, and I guess, I guess we don't take no for an answer very easily. No, That's kind of one of our attributes that we both share. We don't take no for an answer very easily and think if we want something badly enough, then we'll find a way to get it done. Because otherwise, nothing great ever happens.
0: So I think that's important. Um, I know that for our listeners and for folks that I work with and help, and we're just going to have to ignore the dog barking. He's big, he's scary, and he's annoyed someone's nearby. But when you don't take no for an answer, in, in my mind, you're also just not accepting somebody else saying it can't be done. Right? It's like, right, right. you know, it's I'm going to
2: keep... It's a complete intolerance to average, isn't it? It's, if you're, you know, some, I know some of, some of your listeners are are people who are in in a, in a job or in a position right now where they're frustrated. And, and I think one of the things you can do is, I say this to my mum all the time. My mum my often used to come in from work back in the day and she used to say, oh, I hate my job, I hate my job. And I'm like, well, you've got two choices. You either put up or you shut up. Like you either, you know, or, or you do something about it. I mean, you either either do something about it or shut up and stop complaining. I, mean, obviously I wasn't as rude to that as, as that to my mum but that's what it basically boiled down to. Like you can see the frustration, you can feel that inside of you. You've got to do something about it, or you've got to just accept it. And if you're not willing to accept it, which is the attribute that Rob and I do share, we're not willing to accept that, that what is the norm, what is the normal level of growth, what is the normal way of doing these things. I mean, we, the way we run our company is completely not normal. We have a philosophy, I'll give you an example, um, which might be interesting, of, of radical transparency, which is all of our staff know exactly where we're at, everything about the company's financial details, everything. In our business, they know exactly where we're at. They know what's, what's occurring, what's going on next, because we, we don't believe that you should have bits of paper because you're supposed to fill in that form. Oh, we're supposed to do this. Like, there's no supposed to. Like, what, what have we got to comply with legally? We'll definitely do all of that. Mm. But above and beyond that, are we doing the right thing? And instead of teaching, treating people as employees, instead of treating people as customers, instead of um, treating people as a number in your CRM system, treat people as, human beings with emotions feelings and personal drivers and then the rest of it sort of feel sort of falls into place
1: we have uh, neither of us have ever had a job we've never worked for anyone else before we've never been to a job interview before we came out of school and did or university in your case and did what we do mm-hmm. and so what that means is that we have got the it's, i suppose it's given us the power to like just question everything and say well like we don't know how how an office is supposed to look apparently it's nothing like ours uh no. in terms of the day-to-day structure of how it all works and that's that's fine by us you know we like it that way so i guess just having that and if and if somebody is in a job or has been in a job then just realize that it's okay to question the way that they did
2: things and the way that that employer did things the norm is only the norm because people before you weren't courageous enough to change it
0: i love it well and that's true right or we just accept maybe that's all i can have or should have and that's also not true. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I want to learn more about, um, your product. And I'm, and I mentioned briefly before we started that I am biased about wanting to learn. So as much as this is for my audience, I'm really, (laughs) I have questions for you guys because I have lived in online surveys and exported files and done the whole pivot table things. It is Mm -hmm. not, it's not what I love. I love the information it produces because I, it helps me help my clients. but um, I don't like the tedium of it. And so when I started learning that that was some of what motivated you as well as to be able to have something, a survey, which I actually think I may have been thinking about it all these years in a very limited use purpose, be much more than that, I thought, okay, I really want to learn from you guys. But I would like for you to talk about your um, suite. And But talk about it, if you can, from Mm -hmm. both the perspective of folks who are, um, for instance, say they're running a conference, right? They're planning a conference. Mm -hmm. They are trying to figure out what is of most interest to people who will be coming. They know they've got their market. They know typical things, but they really want to hone in on what's going to bring the most value to the people who show up. So that's one instance. And the other would be for someone who's just starting out, you know, like a new business and they're trying to figure out what's the most meaningful thing I could start to help my market, my clients. How can the tool be used to help for that? So can we kind of talk about those two things? Will that work Ooh. for you guys?
2: Yeah. So I'll take the conferences thing because I do a lot of conferences. You read, um, the, you read my mind. Go for
0: it. Yeah, right. oh, well, nice, guys. And you know what I realized? We've I we never said your names really no Um, you're just like (laughs) i'm like one i think i introduced you like you guys and then we just started talking so it's robin kennedy it is yeah
1: (laughs) i'm rob this is kennedy hello
2: (laughs) anyway it just occurred to me that we got straight into it we were too excited we had too much fun before this you think this is fun dear listener you should have you should have heard the laugh we had before we started recording anyway um (laughs) so Conferences, I do perform at a lot of conferences uh, with the entertainment stuff, but also I'm involved in helping our clients with conferences. One of the biggest challenges I think we have with conferences is we often, most conferences have the setup where you have a a, a roster of speakers. And each of those speakers will be talking about something slightly different, sometimes with a theme, sometimes actually quite quite a wide uh, subject base. And the problem we have is, if we treat every single customer, every single potential delegate at the conference the same way, our message is going to connect and then disconnect, connect and disconnect. So for example, if you had uh, somebody speaking about, I don't know, about fixing hunger within a community, then you're to, the people who are interested in that speaker when they receive the email that says, hey, we've got this great speaker who's got this really good hunger drive and they've got this really great program they're going to inspire you with and talk about, then you're going to be really connected with that. But the next day, when you receive the next promotion for that conference and it's about improving education or literacy within a certain area or something like that, you're, if that's not really your hot topic right now because you're really involved and really heavily got your head into the hunger element uh, and sort of poverty and, and, and that element then you're going to disconnect with that message and wonder, is this for me? The biggest thing we have to do with, with conferences is increase the number of people. The biggest the biggest challenge we have is, is, is show up, is getting people to buy the ticket. That's the first hurdle. The second hurdle is realizing that they should actually show up. Depending on the price point of your conference, of course, you'll have things in place when people buy tickets rather than free tickets, they're more likely to show up and all that stuff. So how do we do it? Well, Anybody who's not running live events, let, you, let me tell you that the same technique, so you can think about it in two ways at the same time in parallel, that we use the same technique for increasing the show up rate on online conferences, webinars, demos, that kind of thing. So whether you'd run in-person events or online events, this same technique works and that is this. When somebody is engaging with you, they're registering for the early bird for the conference, or they've bought a ticket, however you've got them on your list, find out what their main interest is right now. Not what their general main interest is, but what's important to them right now. What is the thing that's really that, uh, that hot point, that real hot thing for them? So it might be that you know you've got speakers who are talking about Let's make a really simple example that I know actually something about. Let's say it's something to. Let's say it's an internet marketing conference about marketing and online marketing, and you're going to have one speaker who's there. Speaker who's there who's going to be talking about how to get traffic through Facebook great. We've got the Facebook person. Brilliant. We've also got another speaker who's really good at optimizing pages for you to get conversions. So we've got a conversion speaker. We've also got somebody else who's really good at search engine optimization. Let's leave it at three different speakers. It's a small one-day event in our little imaginary event, right? So the, the response sweet awesome event 2020 or whatever, right? If I take the survey, and I tell you, the reason I'm, really want, I'm thinking about coming to your event is because I really need some help with my traffic. And, and I think Facebook might be the thing that I want help with. Because one of your questions in your survey is, what do you want help with right now? And I check, hey, traffic. So you don't actually need to be a mind reader. You can just ask the question, right? So I want help with, with traffic. Now what you can do as the person organizing the conference is every email you send from now on to encourage me to purchase my ticket can sell me on the benefits of purchasing a ticket based on my primary reason for coming along. In my case, what I'm going to learn about traffic. Whereas simultaneously, Rob... Rob might have ticked the one about SEO because Rob knows nothing about SEO, but he's heard on it some w- amazing w- wizardry thing that he should be doing on the internet. So he's ticked on the same survey that he received at the same time, I want to know about SEO. So every email that he receives to getting, pushing him towards that moment of purchasing the ticket is saying about all the things that he's going to learn about search engine optimization and how he's going to meet other people who are really good at that. And he's going to build the community around SEO there. And he's going to make contacts and be able to meet the speaker. And so every piece of show up information or every piece of sales information on that way is geared towards his exact interest, which means he doesn't receive as much information, which is irrelevant to him. So now what we have is we have a compelling series of events. And that doesn't just need to be emails. That could be telephone calls. So your salesperson gets on the phone to them to find out if they're going to come and book a ticket. They could say, hey, if I, hey Rob, I noticed that you're on the early bird list for our event. We've got this really good speaker. I'm not sure if you know. He's called whoever, whoever. He's an amazing SEO guy. He's from this great company. Is it SEO you're particularly interested in right now? And Rob says, yes, it is. She said, well, you know, you really want to miss, wouldn't want to miss out on this. And her entire sales or his entire sales process to Rob will be based around the information we've now collected, whereas calling me, a very different conversation. So, and that doesn't need to be just phone. That could be email. That could be snail mail. It could be based, it could be any kind of communication. Because what we decided to do with Response Suite specifically, the reason we created it and we had to build it is because nobody else could do what we wanted it to do. And that is to create a survey application, which then passes the results, passes and communicates outwards to your other platforms. So now that I know, so you've now filled in my survey. Rob's filled out my survey, right? I now know in my CRM system that Rob is interested in, in, in SEO. I know that. So now I can follow up with him in the most appropriate way. We have a saying here at Response Suite, and that is that blanket marketing is dead. And instead, we prefer to think of it as mass personalization. It's a bit like a huge choose-your-own-adventure story where you're basically taking people down the path that one is most interesting to them. And because it's more interesting to them, it also increases your conversions dramatically. So you make more sales by actually being better, nicer, and being more liked.
0: I like it. As you're talking, I'm going, oh yeah, that would have saved me hours and hours and <laughs> hours. So that I simultaneously love the product and the concept and hate the fact that I'm just knowing it now. Um, so, so Rob, can you talk a little bit about like, a single person or a very small kind of organization, how it benefits them. So I see we've had the side-by-side thing and maybe it's just because we've been talking conferences, but how does that look if I'm trying to do that more on a product, you know, and you talked earlier about having product that you had to sell and, you know, whether the product is a service or an actual tangible product.
1: Sure. So having a business of any description is a bit of a rat race, isn't it? It's constantly looking for the next customer. Where are they going to come from? How do we do this? And there's all these statistics being flung around the internet all the time. The last one we heard was that it costs 300 to 600 times more to acquire a new customer than it does to sell something to an existing customer. And most businesses have more than one product to sell or more than one service that they can offer to a customer. So it makes sense that actually, rather than getting so excited and embroiled in the idea of trying to find new customers it makes more sense that we focus on trying to sell more stuff to serve our existing customers in a better way to solve their new problem, to help with whatever it is. So here's what lots of businesses do, and maybe you can relate to this. You do your marketing bit, you do the sales bit, somebody buys a product, you do the delivery bit, whatever that looks like, and then maybe, just maybe, you send out some sort of customer feedback survey to say, what did you think of the product or the service? How did we do? Did we deliver? Did it get you the result you wanted, et cetera? And then typically what happens is that survey just sort of sits there. It's what we call the dead end of the data highway. It's where useful information goes to die. And basically what happens is people say, well, um, that was good. Uh, that wasn't so good. Uh, the product was good, but the packaging was spent when it arrived, you know, those sorts of things. And then what happens is that once a week, once a year, once a fortnight, once every five years, whatever, somebody logs in, the business owner logs in looks at all this massive data from hopefully tens or hundreds of thousands of customers or thousands of customers. And they look and say, oh, well, 3% of people thought we were, thought we were rubbish. And uh, 2% of people thought it took too long to get there. And 10% of people said they would refer a friend. And uh, 90% of people thought it was pretty good. There we go. What does that really mean? Because, uh, well, apart from looking at the data on a pie chart or a bar chart, like, you don't really know who those people are. And you've kind of missed a, a a key opportunity to market something to them. Now, the other problem with this is that when a customer comes into your business and they just sit there in your email marketing software, or they sit there in your CRM. Now what happens is that every week, every day, every month, you have to just sort of say, well, uh, well, we're going to have a special offer on, um, I don't know, pens this week. Uh, I'll just send an email out, see if anyone wants to buy some pens. So you send out an email and some people will click on a link and some people will want to buy a pen at that point. And it's kind of just hope marketing. You're just hoping that if you throw out enough stuff, some people are going to click on it. Some people are going to think it's relevant to them and some people are going to want to buy it. Lots of people aren't, which means lots of people unsubscribe if they don't unsubscribe, even worse than unsubscribing is disengaging, like just stopping paying attention altogether. Because just as a side note, like that really damages your ability to get delivery on your emails for the people who do want to receive them. So unsubscribes, even worse is disengagement. So here's what happens. A feedback survey, a customer survey is the lowest resistance way to start a new sales conversation that exists. When somebody's just bought a product from you, truthfully, the last thing they actually want is to receive an email that just suddenly offers them something out of the blue that is random, that has a fair chance that it won't be relevant to them. Whereas when somebody's just bought something from you, what they really want is you to show that you care, that you haven't just taken their money and run and let them get on with it. And now you want to turn up and you want to do something extra. You want, you want to take a step forward. You want to uh, get you know, level up your game. So Here's what we recommend. Run a simple customer feedback survey. Now, I'm not talking about 26 questions over 15 pages. I'm talking like four or five questions tops. So the questions can be things like, what did you think of the product? And then give them the chance to rate it or choose some from, you know, something from an option. And I'm talking here multiple choice. Don't give them the chance to write 15 pages of essay. It's just pick one of these, pick one of these, pick two of these. Um, then if they say they thought the product was great, fantastic. Next, you can have a new box appear that says, would you mind leaving us a testimonial? And you have the option to have them type in a testimonial. Now, if they thought that the product was rubbish, of course, then don't give them the chance to type a testimonial. We'll talk about those people in a minute. But if they thought it was great or good, then offer them the chance to give you a testimonial. They can type it right there into the form. Happy days. The next question asks them, what do they want help with now? This is the perfect opportunity to say, think about insurance, right? I'm sure it's the same over there as it is here. An insurance salesman's job is to try and sell you other types of insurance. So maybe you bought home insurance or life insurance or pet insurance or car insurance or whatever. And now they want to try and that's why when you're filling out an insurance inquiry form, they'll say, when does your home insurance run out? When does your pet insurance run out? When does your car insurance for night, et cetera. And they want to know that information because they want to work out what they can sell you. But it's not just those big insurance companies that can do this. We can all do this as small businesses, So even one-man bands. So here's what happens. You send out the survey. You say, what do you need help with next? What are you looking for next? And you ask key questions that allow you to identify what products they're going to want next. So you know, let's imagine you're a, you know, a one-man coach or something like that. You might help people with marketing or something along those lines. You say, okay, great. We've just helped you to nail your Facebook ads. What do you want help with next? And you give them a bunch options like seo email marketing or whatever else it might be
2: i'll just jump in here because just to add to this rob if this is a really good point to actually stimulate some ideas of services they didn't even know they were looking for so mm. you can actually start seeding those things at that point as well really so here's point. an interesting thing if you just if you just went to all your customers
1: and they were stood in front of you in a room and you asked them the open-ended question what are you looking for help with right now mm. most of them won't really know they just know they've got sort of endless problems that they're trying to deal with all at once they won't they won't really be able to succinctly answer that eloquently so now what happens is you can say you can say well which of these do you want help with and they're going to choose one now If you gave them the open-ended answer question, they may not choose any of those options. But when presented with options, which of these do you need help with right now, they can sort of self-identify and say, well, that one and that one and that one, or or just that one. And now what happens is when you start to promote that thing to them, which I'll talk about in a second, they almost feel like it was their idea. Like they've they've come up with this idea by themselves. And as we know, the old sort of sales adage is that if you tell somebody something, well, they might believe you. If somebody else tells them it, they're more likely to believe you. But if they've come up with the idea by themselves, they're absolutely going to be convinced of it and so our job as as business owners and marketers is to help people come to the decisions they need to come to in order to want the help that they need to accelerate so what this gives us the ability to do as you just said is to say which of these do you want help with they choose them they click submit they submit the survey now at that point on mass with a regular survey, there's really not much you can do other than, like I said, once a year, once a fortnight, every day as we used to do it. Log in, download a CSV file, and they're ugly as hell. You can sort them into different buckets, if you like, different segments, and then re-upload them into your email marketing system. So with Response Suite, we built it for this exact purpose, so that as soon as somebody hits submit on a survey, that automatically triggers an event inside your email marketing system, inside your CRM, that could be anything. A bit like the conference example that Kennedy gave you before. It could be, okay, great send them this sequence of emails. It could be print those letters and pop that in the post to them with the next mail run. It could be uh, make sure you book an appointment to give them a phone call in two days time to follow up about that thing. Whatever your kind of next logical sales process is to make that sale. The key point here is you run a customer feedback survey, a couple of questions. They fill it out. As soon as they hit submit, they're telling you what they want help with next, which means that within minutes, technically, uh, within minutes, hours, a couple of days, you could instantly, automatically, without any human intervention, put them into a marketing sequence that will enable you to sell them that perfect thing at the
2: perfect time. The thing for all of this for us was that whole no human intervention, making sure it's automatically happening. Because when we have to log into these systems manually and do this, people get missed. They fall through the cracks of between the certain hours of you downloading that CSV and doing all that sorting and filtering and uploading it into your your marketing system, what happens? How do you make sure nobody slips through that sort of interim time? So by making it happen in real time, you can do a better job for them, and also make sure you, you don't miss out on that many opportunities too.
1: Now, what's really nice about this is that if you set this up as an automated in, integral part of your business, it means that as you grow, whether you're brand new now and you're looking for your first customer, or maybe you've been going for a little while and you have some. Customers Customers, or maybe you've been going for ages and you've got loads of customers and more are coming in every day. Whatever your situation is, you've, you have this set up so that every customer who comes in, gets they buy a product, great. Now they go through this sequence and they instantly go into the perfect campaign to sell the next one, hands-free. If you take a holiday for the next month, it doesn't really matter. That's continuing to run by itself. And we all know that acquiring a new customer is getting more expensive. And so that means that getting a return on investment on acquiring a customer is getting more expensive. And so that means that more and more businesses are struggling to make a profit from their very first sale. More businesses are using that to cover their costs and then making their profit from the next sale and the one after that. And so that means by getting that second sale faster you're actually accelerating your return on investment and your bottom line of the business
2: and dude it doesn't even have to be after a sale it can be after any kind of significant action so it could be after they opt in put them through a survey to find out how you can serve them best and answer their questions and help them the fastest rather than taking ages to get at the product they actually want to want to help out with and or, or it could be after a purchase or after registering for a special event or something like that happening so yeah that's a long way of that was a, that way. was a long answer that was a long one are you still here
0: <laughs> i am but you know what i so I have to be respectful of your time and our, our listeners' times, but I also, I mean, as you're talking, I'm going, check, check, more questions, more questions. <laughs> so, but I do want to say that we had a, a short conversation about maybe having you come on with in a private group with folks that I invite. So here's what I would ask, and I w- and we'll do notes for this, and I'm actually going to ask you guys to walk me through a test of this to practice this, but I would... I have a number of folks who I know would love to learn more from you in a closed session. So I'll I'll manage that to get folks in and they can have a one-on-one where we can talk more detail about how might it fit. One of the things I was thinking about though is having such a background in like the nonprofit um, or the public benefit, whatever corporation, depending on where you live. It occurs to me from a funder's perspective, right, that they want to be engaged in certain activities of an organization and yet organizations treat them all the same, right? Mm -hmm. So it would be really cool to be able to ask them, not only how often do you want to hear from us, but what's most compelling to you? Where do you like, you know, those kinds of things to really let people know they're in part in deep with your organization and that they matter to you beyond just the money they give you. And it's that whole relationship thing that you guys have started to nail down with this that's so impressive to me. I do have a technical, que- not real technical, but like an assumption question I made. So because these it pushes the information out into other systems and to you, the user, I'm assuming there are some standard templates or reports or even maybe some questions that help people understand how to think concisely instead of doing research questionnaires. Yeah, we're
2: a kind of, we're known for going, we're we're, we're kind of outrageous. If you look at our hair, Rob has bright red hair. I have platinum white hair. We're known for like going like a bit, wild with this stuff. So what we decided to do rather than say, here's the questions you should ask. Yeah. Inside the platform, when you get into response Week, you'll see there's templates there for all kinds of cool things. And we walk you through all of that. You can build drag and drop. It's all drag and drop. If you can use like Canva or something like that, you can literally use this. You don't need to have any technical uh, know-how whatsoever. But rather than give you questions, because obviously your business is different and, and since we're all about personalization, we thought it would be wrong to give you questions because the way you need to speak to your people is different for every single situation. So what we thought we would do, actually, if anybody who's who's listening right now does decide that, you know what it is, I get this, this is for me, and, and you see why it is so important and why so many people are starting to do this now, we, we want to hook you up with a personal one-to-one session with either Rob or myself where we'll actually build your campaign with you personally. That's not a group thing. That's if you become, even if you just take a 14 day trial with us, even if you've given us no money, we just want to show you how you can do this and give you the education to actually build it out. And that's not just building the response we put out. I mean, we had a customer Rob was on the line with just uh, two days ago. Mm-hmm. There and in infu- Rob's there in it with his sleeves rolled up, knee deep in their infusion soft, figuring all the campaigning element out for them. Like, We'll give you the time because truthfully, we just want you to really see incredible results about this. Selfishly, because we know what it mean you'll stay as a customer, one of our customers for a long time. And also, you'll tell more people about it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we all end up doing better business.
0: Well, I'll make sure that we have links for people who can do that. Um, mm-hmm. You can count on the fact that I'll be one of those people so that <laughs> I can, because I want to use this to help people get to have a session with you guys to learn more and ask maybe more industry-specific questions.
1: Yeah, I mean, if anyone uh, is is already thinking, well, this is definitely for me, we actually have a, a cool deal for you, uh, listeners, which is uh, really cool. Basically, we wanted to give you a 14-day free trial so you can go and try this out for yourself. Jump on a call with us and we'll help you to build it. But also, we actually put together a four-part training program called the Survey Marketing Masterclass. We basically kind of had eight different campaigns that you can use to get uh, response Suite and get surveys in different parts of your business that will allow you to automate. And we've talked about two of them here, but we go into more depth on them uh, as well as some other stuff as well. Uh, And we'd love to throw that in for free as well.
2: Yeah, you do have to join through the special link that we created for this podcast, which is exactly where, Robert. Just head over
1: to responsesweetdeal.com forward slash NL. N L and I'm sure you'll put a link to that in the show notes. As we
0: well. will put a link to that. And remember, folks, it's N L N L like no labels, no limits. So you should be able to remember that. You guys, I want to ask you to think back since you've been, it sounds like you've always been kind of um mavericks and you're going after what you want. But if you were to think about Meeting someone, either yourselves as really young kids or young kids who you think, ooh man, they might be like us. What piece of advice would you give them at seven or eight that would help them like just be really confident in going forward?
2: Being really confident and going forward. Confident. And it's not that's not the question I thought you would ask there.
1: I guess it's understanding that it's okay that things are going to go wrong along the way and it's not going to be a, a plain journey. When you look at other people who appear to be successful and they, it's easy to assume that they just sort of got up out of bed one day, started a thing, got up the next day, continued the thing, got up the next day, continued the thing, and it all went fine. And it absolutely doesn't. You know, like, uh, The truth is that we attempted to sort of start other projects before ResponseSuite that just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just didn't happen. And eventually we, we we stumbled on our sort of little geniusy thing here and it, it's gone really well. Like we, we love it, but we definitely didn't find it straight away. So it's, it's okay to know that other people didn't just get there straight away and that you shouldn't put off the things that you want to do and say, well, I'll do that one day when I know more. I'll do that one day when I'm more qualified to do it. I'll do that. Unless it's brain surgery. You probably want to be qualified for that. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put off the things I want to do today because I don't think I'm ready for it. Just, just go for it.
2: Another one that I really like is that it's not important to have the answers. It's only important to have the right questions because that's the way you grow. That's the way you can find the people. We only employ people here who are smarter than us, frankly, because that's much easier than finding people who are stupider than us. <laughs> but but the truth is, we wouldn't employ anybody who, who knew less than us, because why would we do that? We want people who are going to grow and who are going to grow the business with us and and work together. So we're all about what is the quality of the question that we're asking. So So focus on having really good questions rather than really knowing the answers.
0: You know, I just have to say how important that is, Kennedy, because when I, I want to say I was in my early, early 20s, he was one of my favorite bosses ever. And he was going to leave. And I had no experience in this. He goes, no, you're going to be the supervisor, the temporary supervisor. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm in an all-male environment. I'm like 22 years old. These guys have been in this, and I'm thinking, oh man, he's throwing me to the sharks, right? <laughs> he wants me to quit, and he goes, no, no, you're good. He goes, first of all, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm your backup, right? He's, but the main thing is, it, you're just got to be out there and put yourself out there, and then, if there's a problem, let me know. But the, the piece of that that was so helpful was he says you just need to ask questions. And, and it's okay. And he said, and Sarah, the reason I hired you is you have more skills than me. And I'm thinking, okay, you've been doing this for years. He goes, no, you have different people skills than I do. You are totally qualified. And I only want people around me who are better than me in certain areas that I'm not good at. And I, it had such an impact on me. I thought, well, then that's what I need to do. Always have mm. people smarter than me and be okay with it. Because mm. you're right. It make, first of all, it makes it more fun.
2: Right. Oh, yeah, get it's to learning as well. I mean, every day <laughs> yeah. we learn stuff from our team. Yeah. You know, uh, we're just a little team. We're all based here in this office in the northeast of England. And it means that every day we, we're learning stuff of each other all the time. And yeah, there's, there's experiences we have for each of the team that we can share with them. But there's stuff <laughs> we're learning literally every day from Grace and from Colin So
0: how fun. Thank you so much. We will put all that in the show notes. I'm going to follow up with you guys separately. Um, next, well, I'm on vacation next week, so I promised my husband nice. and I would. Yeah, well, I said for one time, I wouldn't bring all my work with me. <laughs> I it's said, but I am you. I'm, I'm bringing some of it. Before, we? <laughs> I've done it for years. But this is true. This year, I said, the only thing I'm bringing is my schoolwork. And he goes, okay, but you you do a lot of that. And I go, but not as much as my work work. So... Um, <laughs> Anyway, it'll be when I get back from having a little break. I'll follow up with you and then um, we'll pull together a group who really wants to dig in on this. And I'm listeners, I really encourage you to go out to the link that Rob shared with you. Check out Response Suite. And if you've spent any time in other survey software, I think you might be as excited as I am about this being a a game changer in terms of time and productivity and results. So... Anyway, that's it. Thanks so much. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate having the chance to meet you and share you with our audience. Our pleasure. pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you like what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no-labels, no-limits, and no-excuses life.